Here we go. It is the Sports Huddle, and it is presented to you by MGM National Harbor. It's time to change the game at BetMGM Sports. I'm Dave Johnson with Rob Woodfork, Dave Preston, and also with George Wallace. I'm wearing a Washington Wizards hat today. It is not jingoism. It is game day. I worked at 3 o'clock this morning. You do not want to see what my hair looks like at this point, but we invite you to come to a Wizards game uh, anytime you want, and I'll give you this hat because I've got plenty of hats, and that's the bottom line with that. Can they see your you know, hair, though, like- if they come to Wizards games? Can we see your hair if they come to Wizards games? There we see, go. See, it's All terrible. Right. I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to, to perfectly quaff it. Um, <laughs> I didn't know today was hat day. <laughs> we should do that one day, hat day. I'm we should sorry. do hat we day. Should. <laughs> we should. Oh, have people are, the people, the people are asking for it. The fans right. want it. The fans want it. Yeah, tweet us uh, what hat you would like to see on the Washington <laughs> on the uh, sports huddle. Hey, uh, there's a rule of the NFL playoffs are, are going on. Uh, eventually, you might get a couple of close games. I guess we did have two um, mm. over the weekend. But, uh, you know, the, the big disappointment was that Bill's Patriots. I was so psyched to see the Bill's Patriots. Yeah. By the time I got to that game at halftime, it had been over since the opening kickoff. But anyway, that brings us to our topic this week. As we look at the playoffs and as we stargaze to the future, uh, how do we think it applies to the Washington football team? What, what player, what, what uh, type of play, style, et cetera, do we think Washington football teams needs to be to be not only back in the playoffs, which they were last year, but also to, to make some noise in the, in the playoffs? With that, he wrote a wonderful column on WTOP.com. He always does. Rob Woodfork will give you the floor first. Well, uh, and actually it was on WTOP.com, our good friends at uh, NBC Sports Washington. Uh, the um, uh, the thing I'd like to see, because you, you saw the 49ers with Debo Samuel, and they've been doing this all year. And Debo Samuel was actually on my fantasy team this year, by the way, so huge. But uh, just that dual threat, and that's what we were supposed to get with Curtis Samuel, no relation. But I would like to see Curtis Samuel do that Debo Samuel um role here in Washington and uh, and certainly especially if they are not able to get that long-term solution at quarterback uh, this offseason uh, you're going to need as many uh, unconventional ways to produce offense as possible and Curtis Samuel could be that now obviously he's got to stay healthy obviously he's got to stay on the field which is something that he could not do in 2021 but uh, that 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 to me is the thing that I saw over the weekend that I think Washington desperately needs. Okay. Dave Preston. I think uh, Wait, but I, stop. Yeah, you still have your Christmas tree up. Yeah. I actually put I on the lights. Today. I put on the lights. I even put on the lights of the commemorative Calvin Coolidge presidential ornament uh, from the white house uh, association. So All right. by the way, before you, not before you go, for presidents. not only do we need a hat day, but we also need to have people submit, what what day should Dave Preston take down his tree, or do we take you know take bets on what when how how long this will go? Oh, you know, Super it's, Bowl Sunday. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's well, yeah. It, it's always been the week before the Super Bowl or Super Bowl Sunday at the very latest. But what I think I gleaned from this past weekend is just how good the offenses are in the NFL. And stop shaking your head. It's I, it's amazing how yes, Washington is doing the right thing. Uh, Ron Rivera is bringing a certain discipline that maybe was not there. He's building a roster that was uh, strong up top, but very thin from players, maybe 15 to 45. But you look at the offenses and the quarterbacks, especially with the exception of Jalen Hurts, there, there, there was a franchise quarterback 
with every playoff team this past weekend. And in an offensive league like the NFL of 2021, now 2022, you need to be able to put points on the board. Even if you're only scoring, you know, 23 points like San Francisco, you still need to be able to have a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo who can make plays. You, you, get, you also need to have weapons. And with the exception of Terry McLaurin, they don't have any weapons at this point. Uh, Antonio Gibson has shown flashes. J.D. McKissick has shown a little bit here and there as well. But they need legitimate threats for a legitimate franchise quarterback to throw to. Otherwise, they're just going to be the little engine that could next season that maybe goes 9-8 and eight or 9-6-2 and two and loses on a tiebreaker and finds themselves getting bounced uh, the first week into the NFL playoffs. All right. George Wallace? Uh, too good. All right. Well, it kind of took, it kind of took my, uh, my nothing, my direction there. Look at the, just, just go down the list. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Joe Burrow. Who else am I missing? It goes on and on the quarterback. That is the main, the, the main theme of a Josh Allen main theme of this, the divisional round of the playoffs, the quarterbacks, the quarter franchise quarterbacks that are left. Yes. This team needs a little few weapons here and there, but look, They've got weapons with McLaurin. Hopefully Curtis Samuel comes back. Logan Thomas is going to come back healthy. Hopefully uh, uh, Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick, as Dave just mentioned, the weapons are there. You need the one final piece in the quarterback to make this team that much more competitive. And that's it. That is it. I mean, they've done everything else and got pieces in place. Of course you can always have more depth fine, but that is where you need to go all in. That is the one thing that is missing. And the more and more, I think over this past week, the more and more I think they're going to go crazy and they're going to go after a veteran quarterback also with the draft. But I think they're going to go they're going to go all in on some of it because I re they realize that this is the time. Time's ticking. You got to go. You got to go now. And to emphasize that there you look at, you know, the league 20 years ago, you had Trent Dilfer. You had Cordell Stewart making deep runs, uh, getting to conference championship games. There are no Trent Dilfers remaining in the playoff <laughs> There are no Cordell Stewart's and we're at the divisional playoff level there. You know, there uh, you need a guy who can be awesome at quarterback instead of a guy who just won't be bad. Yeah. That's a bygone era that I think Brad Johnson winning the Super Bowl with mm. the Buccaneers was the last time you saw a guy who was just kind of a guy at quarterback who could win a Super Bowl. That's that, that, that ended a long time ago, but um, Tannehill. Tannehill, I think that's the other one I forgot. Tannehill. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I don't know if he's a franchise. Why can't we get guys okay. like Brad Johnson? I'm just I'm trying to play the other quarterbacks that are still but, in the draft. I'm still right, playing. Right. Uh, speaking and speaking of the draft, so um, uh, um, Mel Kiper Jr. did his uh, first mock draft, which I mean, when the Super Bowl hasn't even happened yet, I don't know why you're doing a mock draft, but they did a mock draft and they got Malik Willis as the first quarterback off the board, going to Washington at number eleven. How do we feel mm. about that? Well, we do know that number one, forget about how we feel about that real fast, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, Roseman did say that Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback for the Eagles. They have three first-round picks. So you're not going to go on a uh -huh. quarterback there. So that, yeah. that eliminates the team. Go yeah. ahead. All right. And, well, and before we go on, let me just throw out, and because I know the quarterback is, is, the, is the need. Ron Rivera has said that in terms of uh, the most important position, or he used words to, to that, that effect. But I also think one of the takeaways, along with quarterbacks, from playoff weekend is the importance of takeaways on defense. And I think it's important for the Washington football team uh, to have a defense uh, that is better than it was this year 
on, on forcing turnovers, ranked 21st in the NFL and forcing turnovers at 1.1 a game. Last year, it was 1.4 uh, takeaways per game. I, I know that seems very small, but if you look at who's in the playoffs, for the most part, it's, it's when you're up around 1.3 to 1.9 and that type of thing, forcing turnovers a game. So uh, I, I know it's playing around with stats, but I think it also amplifies the importance that you might not get that quarterback of your dreams so your defense is going to have to help you score some points. And, oh, by the way, as much as the Rams scored a boatload of points on Monday night, the defense for the Rams was also part of the story. So I think it remains a focus that, yeah, it doesn't change that you need that quarterback to really get to <laughs> the elite level in the NFL, but you need a complementary defense that's going to force turnovers and help that quarterback or whoever score some points because that often separates the teams that are in the playoffs and separates teams that how far they will go in the playoffs. But also they have to be fundamentally sound on defense too, because I think Dallas is a, uh, a great example of a team that took the ball away to the point defensively that we thought that they had a good defense and their defense was not good. If you took away the turnovers and, uh, and turnovers are, I don't want to say they're fluky, but that's something that you can't necessarily plan for. It's like sometimes those come and sometimes they don't. So when they don't, You've got to be playing some good, fundamentally sound defense. And real quick, guys, the, the thing that I'm worried about this offseason is, uh, is the offensive line, which I feel like I said last year. And uh, with uh, Charles Leno played a lot better than I think some people uh, thought that he would. But I'm, I'm afraid that if you lose Brandon Sheriff, then you have, a, you know, you've got a hole there now that is, I mean, he's, he's a team captain of that offensive line. He's the best player objectively on that offensive line so you know you lose him then what are you doing on the offensive line you can see that unit take a step back in 2022 if you don't have an adequate plan to to build that up you're right about well, that and look I as much as we talk about quarterback uh yeah it still remains that yeah you don't want to get over unless you it's game over unless you have an offensive line that can not only protect whoever that quarterback is but help you establish the run game because that's right. been established that if you can't do that, that's going to be a nightmare for I mean, just, that, that special quarterback. Just look what happened in Chicago. I mean, they got their franchise quarterback, and I think he would have had a much better season if he wasn't running for his life every single snap. I mean, that was the worst offensive line in football last year. One thing on the uh, one thing on the defense to talk about, I, I think, and you heard Rivera mentioned multiple times, or, you know, um, he hinted at it that this team read a lot of their press clippings before the season. They got off to a pretty bad start. I would expect a different kind of start next year from this defense. Whoever's on the field, whoever's still here and back or whatever, but I, I would expect a different start next year because number one, you know, Jack Del Rio is coming back, but I mean, you know, he has to improve and this whole defense has to improve. So I would expect right. a better and, start. And to Rob's point, I understand you, you don't coach turnovers necessarily. It's not right, like right. saying, well, yeah. Guys, we got to get three uh, interceptions today, or we're not going to win this game. But I do believe <laughs> it plays into the role of uh, to have a fundamentally sound defense. Uh, turnovers, you know, will then happen. Takeaways will then happen because it's they often say, you know, luck is the intersection of, of preparation and hard work. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, yeah, less reading of clippings and more focus on the playbook for the uh, the Washington defense because they have the talent. I think that'll make a difference.
And I was also just look, trying to play along with our subject and not come up with the easy answer quarterback <laughs> and not steal Rob Woodfork's uh, answer <laughs> as well. So this was a hard game to play this week. Okay, well, and the thing is, yeah, yeah but you don't the, have your trees still, man. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing is, whoever plays quarterback for this team next year, it's a lot easier uh, when you get the ball first and 10 at their 40 or at midfield than at your 20 or your 10. We've seen Washington teams in the past that haven't, you know, generated any takeaways and we, they've had to ask Kirk Cousins go 80, 90 yards or whomever has been, you know, even, even competent quarterbacks, it's, it, it's much easier with a much shorter field. And I think Don't that's that name. the last couple of years with very average quarterbacking. Okay. All right, let's go around and just throw out whatever subject happens to be on, on your arm. And I'll start with the Washington Wizards, uh, not only because I have the hat, but I think it bears in mind now that finally <laughs> here we are past mid-January and the Wizards are finally mm. fully healthy. It only took uh, essentially three months of the season to finally get there with Thomas Bryant back, Rui Hachimura back, uh, and Knockwood, everybody is out of health and safety protocols with the exception, ironically enough, of the head coach right now as we have this, this taping. Uh, their window of the Philadelphia 76ers, I think, is a blueprint for how this team can succeed going forward. They played with nine player rotation, and that means on certain nights, players that you say, well, the Wizards could use that player are not going to be in the game. The classic example on Monday against Philadelphia 76ers, Denny Avdia basically didn't get in until the final couple of minutes. That was no knock on Denny Avdia, but there are only so many minutes. So it's going to be situational. It's going to be based on game, which Look, uh, situational is what the NBA is all about now as we, we talk about a, a positionless league. So uh, the identity, as Bradley Beal mentioned, has to remain strong, physical, on defense. That has to be consistent, and they can't change from that. But uh, the exciting thing now for this Wizards team is how do they want to play on offense? Because they have so many options, and that's where it can become uh, situational. Do you want to play at a faster pace? And Thomas Bryant is out there more. Or, or do you want to have more of a, a post presence with Daniel Gafford out there more? So uh, it's a team right now with a mind-numbing uh, list of options. And it's a good problem to have. Now, it is a problem because, as Bradley Beal said, they're going to have to figure it out. And the coaches are going to have to figure it out. But there are a lot of <laughs> toys in the chest, if you will, or whatever metaphor you want to use. I, I cannot remember going down a list of 12 or 13 players on a Wizards roster. And you can point to, uh, we got to the Davis Bertans is like the 12th player on the list of players that can contribute to this team. And that's not always been the case uh, in, in recent years. In fact, <laughs> really has never been the case that I can, I can remember. And didn't, uh, didn't we all say this was the deepest they've been since that uh, 2017 uh, playoff team. I think yeah. that's, uh, that, that, that's what he said. And also it keeps the guys fresher too, is, you know, you get to the playoffs and uh, especially when you have those teams that are very top heavy guys playing a lot of minutes for a lot of games and the wizards could go into the playoffs, assuming they get there. Wizards could go into the playoffs, one of the freshest teams. So that's that, that is to their benefit, but it does put a lot of pressure on Wes Unsell Jr. to pull the right strings and to come up with the right combinations against the right teams and all of that. So it does put a lot on his plate from a uh, strategery standpoint, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, they're certainly fun to watch. And, uh, and, and for me, I mean, just, just watching this team is just, uh, it's, it's been a blast so far. And well, the they, they, they mentioned, <coughs> oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was to say that they, they, does this closely more closely represent what the, the team that started 10 and three, there's a lot of talk about that 
the other day. But also, you know, do, do you worry? Number one, you get, okay, you got the trade deadline coming up. You are this deep. At what point? How do you? How does Tommy Shepard decide which way to go there? Number one. Number two, it is a problem. And how you know? Do you worry about it taking a while to get the combinations? Assuming, of course, not going what everybody stays healthy to get everybody kind of in that flow in the direction that you want to go. You know, quarter of the way, midway through this season. Well, I think a couple of things to, to Rob's point, and it's or everyone's point. It is a it is a problem, but it's not a surprise. This yeah. was a message in, in training camp. It was unsold. Bradley Beal shared it. It was unsold. Share with the players that this is when we get fully healthy, the way it's going to be. And he expects players to be mad at him because he wants players mad because they're not getting playing time. True. He doesn't want it. players on the team that are cool with, well, you know what? I got the best seat in the house and I'm getting paid. He mm -hmm. wants players mad because they're not getting playing time and they're going to have to earn it. And that's where the team has a real chance. And I've seen this firsthand. It's human nature. We've all seen it firsthand. Uh, a team is better when everybody is really pushing and fighting and, and scratching for the playoff time uh, or playing time. When you have a situation where guys know, well, he's got to use me. They can be the most professional player in the world, but, but they just won't have that edge. So this team has a real chance to have an edge in practice because guys are going to have to, to battle for playing time. And the other thing, as we approach the trade deadline, and I'm getting here on my phone all the time, you know, what are the wizards going to do and, and, I really don't know. And NBA trades are so hard to predict and figure out because it's salaries. It's, it's what, what's the motivation behind the trade? When, when does a certain player's contract expire and who are you trading for? But the exciting thing is Tommy Shepard's proven that he knows how to make trades in the NBA and he has options. And again, options to make this team better, not only now, but, but also going forward. So I really don't, I mean, Bradley Beal can point to that 2017 team as being the deepest he remembers and, uh, it was, but this is also deep with young talent. And I think that's also uh, makes them not only an attractive team to watch, but an attractive team to potentially be a trade partner. Yeah. And, and also there's Tommy Shepard. Yeah. No, go ahead. Dave. Usually when you trade a superstar like a Russell Westbrook, you're trading a dollar for, you know, you have 10 dimes or something like that. The value that you get back, it, it makes sense on some level, but does it make sense on the court? You look at the guys who he brought in, energy guys, guys who uh, they're not necessarily taking over the face of the franchise from Bradley Beal, but Kyle Kuzma has had you know incredible games. Montrez Harrell, Spencer Dinwiddie, these are guys. It's as though they traded a dollar for three, you know, for three seventy-five cent pieces. And Tommy Shepard really got the better of the Lakers uh, on that trade, and you know it's comforting after a decade of deals that we saw another general manager make that didn't seem to work out as well in the wizards favor. It's encouraging to see this type of roster construction and this type of uh, team growth uh, under Shepard. Is the poster for what this team is all about. Yeah. It's guys, it's guys coming here and saying, I'll show you. I'll mm -hmm. show you. I'm giving an opportunity now. I'm not playing in the shadow of LeBron or whoever. I'll show you what I can do. And when you have a collection of guys like that, uh, it, it can also take you places, George. And if the, the towards as the season gets to the second half, and Dave, you would know better, obviously, schedule-wise, obviously probably not as many practice days, right? So they kind of figure this out on the court as they go along. That could be a good and a bad thing, I would think. Like Rob was mentioning, talking about keeping guys fresh. You have a lot of guys when the schedule backs up like it does towards the end of the year you get more guys in and you do have a second starting five or however you want to look at it 
on the court and they just try and figure things out uh, as they go. I would think that could work as a positive uh, for you as well. Well, to get a my get back to mindset, this would be my last contribution on, on this topic. But uh, after the game Monday, Wizards and Sixers, uh, a victory. Davis Bertans is on the court shooting for an hour. Mm-hmm. He didn't play. He could have gone home. He could have called it a day. That creates the mindset that okay, I'm going to have to fight during playing time, and I'm going to put in that extra work. Any other hot topics bubbling around? I'm going to chime in on the winter of our discontent on the college basketball scene. I uh, produce uh, the Beltway basketball beat, and it's it's just, it, it's been a tough go the last couple of weeks. So Maryland is at 500 now after last night, after uh, Tuesday's loss to Michigan. They've been blown out in games where they haven't lost close ones. A double overtime triumph over Northwestern, their only conference win thus far. They could easily be 5-15 and 15 when the Big Ten season ends. Uh, Georgetown has lost by 28 to Marquette. They uh, lost by double digits to St. John's this past Sunday. They played Villanova Saturday. That could get ugly. The Hoyas could be 5-15 and 15 in the, uh, gosh, in the Big East. George Mason, George Washington. Mason finally, after not being able to play a game due to COVID, they finally get on the floor. They lost to GW. They're under 500. The quote, I think, even Howard, who played very well against Notre Dame, uh, almost took the Irish to, uh, to overtime in the MLK Classic this past Monday. They're 6-8, and eight and they play their next four games in the MEAC on the road. So even though I think Howard could be the best team inside the Beltway as far as you're looking for chances to make the NCAA tournament because of the way I've seen them play in November and December, but they have a rough sledding ahead of them. The closest local team that I think, and we use local with a wide net, Navy is playing well in Annapolis. Towson Loyola are also playing well in their respective leagues. But this could be a very silent se- uh, you know, uh, selection Sunday. Uh, we've had a, a handful of those in the past where we've only had one school make it from this genu- general area. We could get shut out because uh, the uh, Navy, Loyola, and Towson all play in leagues where you have to win your conference championship to get to the big dance. So we could have a very cold winter. <laughs> All right, and by the way, along those topics, hats off, I guess I should say, <laughs> uh, to Notre Dame for showing up in Washington, D.C. to play that game right. uh, against Howard because it was wiped out a year earlier because, unfortunately, of, of COVID. And, and Mike Bray, the head coach of Notre Dame, when he was asked, he said, no problem, we'll come back uh, the next year. And he just applauded the atmosphere at the Burr, uh, and, and he encouraged other schools to, to make it a, a yearly tradition. He says, Howard – Gave him such a tough time. He doesn't want to come next year and play <laughs> Howard at Howard, but he does want to come back. But he encouraged other schools uh, to do that. And, and I think that's that's an important thing that Notre Dame should get a shout out for doing that. But also it, it amplifies what they are trying to do at Howard. They're, they're truly trying to make that, that program uh, more a part of the city's fabric, as much as we're always talking about Maryland uh, and Georgetown. So uh, there's, a, there's quite a story, I believe, going on at Howard. Yeah, and a couple to things too about Howard. Yeah, <clears throat> Kenny Blakeney is done is doing a fantastic job there. Uh, I've maintained that for whatever reason, things just haven't come together for that program uh, under uh, Kevin Nickelberry previously, and, and and other coaches this century. I've I've thought that Howard is a potential sleeping giant because you're in the DMV, you're in the district, and you have so much talent that you can draw in. And Bird Gymnasium, if, you've ever, if you haven't been there, get there because that is a fun place to watch a college basketball game. And if 
Howard gets good. That is going to be a nightmare for other MEAC teams to go in and, and play at. And I think that I, I have, I had a chance to speak with uh, Kenny Blakeney, the head coach uh, at length in the preseason. And I've talked to him, uh, you know, a couple of times since I think that that program's on the right track. I don't know if it necessarily happens this year, but I, I, I see Howard making the tournament sooner rather than later. Well, no, and I, Blakeney, if I correct me if I'm wrong, I've heard him make the comments that, you know, he wants uh, the Burr, uh, Burr Gymnasium mm. to be a, a place for urban professionals to come and, and you know, uh, socialize and, and, and cheer on basketball. He's got big plans for really putting that, that Howard team um, in a bigger part of the spotlight. I was about to say on a, on a national track. It's hard to do for any school, HBC or otherwise, you know, at that level of conference. But that's what he's striving for. And unless you try for that, you don't know what you're going to achieve. And, you know, we talk about this, the center, I go, you know, there's been some good coaches and good guys. I knew Butch Beard who came back to coach uh, Howard. I'm trying to remember now how many years ago that's been, but so it, it's not an easy challenge, but he's got a, a big vision and, and obviously connections uh, with, you know, certain programs like Notre Dame that you bring a high profile school like that, you know, that helps that, that helps attract attention. Like, wow you know, Notre Dame or whatever school is in town. And also right. uh, two things will uh, raise the profile of these HBCU schools. And that's num number one, playing teams that are recognizable on a national level, like a Notre Dame who was actually playing at an HBCU for the first time in their program's history. And the other thing is getting big name recruits. And we're starting to see both of those things come to fruition now. Uh, with Howard and some of these other HBCUs, and especially what in football with what uh, Deion Sanders has been doing at Jackson State. And the, the key word there is play at these schools. The right. Notre Dame comes I mean, because the Howard and any you know mid-level program like that, they've, they've gone on the road for the, the paycheck at whatever school, and that's understandable because <laughs> that's what, what drives it, but that's not going to drive the attention. And also to... to uh, Mike Bray's point that Notre Dame coach that it's good for his school to it's a it's a great uh, learning situation for his players uh, and, and it's a great uh, you know amplification for the entire university in terms of you're looking at where they're playing and what the history of Howard is all about and 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 that's uh, as we're living in a world where diversity and, and understanding and inclusion is so important actually doing something to help foster that I believe helps that and it's when you come to their place you really uh, foster that that education if you will all right this was uh, interesting topics this week on the dc sports huddle and as always it's amazing how week in and week out we figure out how the washington football team goes 14 and 3 and nobody <laughs> takes our suggestions but we hope you come back next week as we'll have some other theories as always a dc sports huddle is sponsored by mgm national harbor it's time to change the game at bet mgm sports George Wallace is probably getting his TV here ready, so obviously we don't see him on the screen. Dave Preston, Rob Wardfork, I'm Dave Johnson. Somewhere I lost my hat, but uh, my mind, but thanks for the time. <laughs> Break. <laughs>